Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Tonight, uh, I'm going to be reading, first of all, from James chapter 1. But I have to tell you, since it's deer hunting season, and you don't even have to be a deer hunter to enjoy this story. So, because I'm not a deer hunter, and I enjoyed it. So, there was this pastor who had a very elite deer hunting woods. And he didn't invite just anybody to go to the, his deer hunting woods with him. But these two gentlemen in the church just, just put pressure on him. And they kept asking him. Finally said, all right, you can go with me. So he brought them along with him. And it was early one morning, about 4 o'clock in the morning. It was dark. And they're sort of sleepy. And they're walking down the deer trail. And they're just talking quietly and they've got their shotgun slung over their forearms and and they've got their you know coffee thermos and they're ready to go to the deer stand and they're walking and suddenly a trophy buck jumps them in the trail and they're shocked they rear up they all fire simultaneously and drop that buck right on the trail and they're excited they run over and they're sort of looking at it, and they start fussing about whose gun killed the deer and who's going to get the trophy on their office or living room wall somewhere. And so they're making a commotion, and suddenly the game warden shows up. He says, what seemed to be the problem? The pastor said, well, I'm Pastor you know, John, and these are uh, guys from our church, and we've been fussing about who killed the deer. He said, well, let me fish around here and see what it looks like and he looked around and and uh, finally he raised up he said well it's very obvious the pastor's gun killed the deer the other two guys said how do you know that he said well the bullet went in one ear and out the other <laughs> and that introduces the bible study tonight I'm going to be teaching on the subject, hearing and obeying the word of God. Don't let it go in one ear and out the other. James 1, and we're continuing the series as prescribed by our associate pastor, Justin. And I'm happy to have this opportunity tonight. James 1, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he's like a man who observes his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was in other words he makes no changes but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in all that he does. There is a blessing in not only hearing, that's a blessing to hear, but there's a greater blessing in hearing and doing the word of the Lord. Everybody say, hear and do. Let me ask you a question. When you speak 
to someone, do you enjoy being ignored? <laughs> That's probably never happened to you. I know it's happened to my wife. And then she'll go silent till I put my phone down. And that's a very, uh, that's a lesson I keep learning all the time. And she deserves me to be present and not dividing my attention. None of us enjoy speaking and, you know, someone looking over our shoulder, you know, for somebody more important to walk by, uh, you know, or, you know, to say, well, I just told you that 10 minutes ago. Uh, and, you know, God doesn't seem to like that too much either. He doesn't seem to enjoy speaking and no one's listening or maybe someone's listening, but they're not doing what he has asked them or commanded them to do. So in this first verse, verse 22 when, when James is talking about, you know, hearing only the word of God, he seems to be writing in response to two ideologies that had surfaced in that early church. And so let's situate James' context for our edification. So I think the first ideology that he was addressing, who were hearers only, was the Judaizers or the, let's say the, the Jews that had obeyed the gospel. Okay. Uh, Jews that had, you know, been born again of the water and of the spirit, but culture is powerful and tradition is powerful. And what James was up against and what he was addressing is that the Jews in the new Testament thought they had an advantage, that they were sort of elite because they were twofold the children of God. They were children of God by virtue of their new birth, but they were also children of God by virtue of being the sons and daughters of Abraham. And there was this sort of mentality, there was this attitude that if we're sons of Abraham, that we are secured against the judgment of God. Uh, and so their attitude was that hearing the word is good, but the idea of obeying the word, at least in their theological minds, was very relaxed. Why would we need to obey? We are Jews. We're sons of Abraham. Our future is secured. It's prophetic. It's determined. You know, sort of like a, I wouldn't really call it a predestinationism in the sense that we know it today, but maybe a little bit smacking of that, just a little bit. And so their big thing was hear the word, study the law, read the law, hear the word, listen to it, but you know, obey it. You know, this primarily is how the Pharisees lived their lives, pontificating, you know, advocating, you know, speaking it, but their hearts were far from obeying the word of God. So that was one ideology that James would perhaps is addressing when he says, don't just be hearers, but be doers of the word. And then he's also addressing what we've come to know as Gnosticism. Gnosticism 
was a derivative of Greek philosophy. And the idea of Gnosticism in the first century was, it was sort of an escapism theology, as I said, that developed from Greek philosophy. And the idea was that there's this spark of the divine. This is the language they use. There's a spark of the divine that, you know, God who's immaterial, you know, he's, he's, he's up there. He can't come down here. You know, God can't come down here. So, but there's some sort of a spark of the divine that comes to certain elite, intelligent people who are blessed with this mental ability to grasp the idea of God. It's not for everybody, but if you're smart enough, you know, maybe if you have a three digit IQ or something, I don't know what, but, but, uh, you know, this was the idea of Gnosticism and it was a religion of the mind, no obedience, just esoteric thinking, you know, out of the body thinking, don't, don't apply this to your body. You know, don't apply this to your calendar, you know, certainly don't apply it to your checkbook, but, uh, just, you know, have a good thoughts about God and enjoy your elite spark that God has given you. And of course, neither of those ideologies are much of an issue for us as 21st century New Testament believers. However, as we situate the context of James, every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ, who said in John 14, 15, if you love me, obey me. If you love me, obey me. Now, the King James says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And that's, that's pretty strong. But I think it's the NLT that says, if you love me, obey me. So we know what God's love language is for us. While we were yet sinners, Romans 5, 8, Christ died for us. That's his love language for us. But what is our love language to him? Well, a part of our love language is that we're here and we've obeyed the word. Hebrews 10, is it 25 or 28 that says forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching, that day being the coming of the Lord, that we should be together. It's always amazing to me that on Sundays, pre-COVID, there might be 500, 450, 500 here. And on Wednesdays, maybe 80 adults, maybe 90 adults, and then another hundred plus children and students. I don't know. There might be 200 people here tonight. So I'm not, I'm just saying that the sanctified, the godly and the holy are here tonight. I don't know about those people on Sundays. Are you watching out there? We, we want you Sunday people to be here on Wednesday night, but coming to the house of the Lord is not the end all. It's not everything, but it does tend to let the world know where you stand. It lets the devil know where you stand. 
It lets your family know how you feel. It's, you know, there's a lot of things we could do tonight. Yeah, there's a lot of places we could be tonight. I got a real comfortable chair in my living room. And the older I get, I'm enjoying it more and more all the time. And that's not good. In fact, I told Caleb, we need to start playing racquetball this winter. Get my lazy carcass up and doing something. So our battle is not Gnosticism and our battle is not, you know, twice fold the children of God through our natural birth and then our spiritual birth. <laughs> our challenge is rebellion, stubbornness, flesh, you know, uh, influence of peers, pop culture, and all of these hurdles that we have to get over and run through to please God and to obey his word. So the Bible, the Bible, even though we, when I was a kid, we always sang, you know, read your Bible, pray every day. Pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. You know, don't read your Bible, don't pray, or whatever the timing of that rhythm was. And you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. So when we grow, 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 we would start down on our haunches and, and go, slowly go up. And then when we'd shrink, we'd go down. And reading the word is important. But did you know that when in God's mind, the word of God is actually designed more to be heard than to be read? We don't understand this in a 21st century Western culture, but in the first century, sometimes when the believers would gather in those early churches in Colossae and Philippi and Thessalonica, they would spend a lot of time just reading and someone reading and everyone else listening to the word of God. And I got convicted as I was studying that this afternoon. I shortened my text this last Sunday, you know, from 10 verses down to five. And I'm reading this. I'm like, oh, Lord, I should have read the whole thing. They need to hear the word. You know, we got this, you know, get in it, get out of it. Everybody's got to get to lunch. You know, things are going on. But in that New Testament church, they would listen to entire epistles, which was a letter. We're going to read the letter of Paul and they would read it and they would hear the word of God. In fact, Deuteronomy 6, 4, which we call the Shema, the Shema is the Hebrew word for hear. Everybody say hear, hear. That means listen, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one and thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And so. The word of God is designed to be heard. In fact, the first thing we know about God in Genesis chapter one is that he is a speaking God. He is a speaking God and God wants us, his creation. Actually, we are, we also are twofold child, children of God because he created us. So he has ownership of us by virtue that we are his creation. And secondly, 
we are his people because we have obeyed his gospel. So God is always speaking. So he's a speaking God and he wants his people to be a hearing, a listening and an obeying people. Listen to Revelation 3 verse 20 and I'm going to read it from the message. You can follow along in the New King Jane, but listen to this. Look at me. I stand at the door. I knock. If you hear me call and you open the door, I'll come right in and sit down to supper with you. Conquerors will sit alongside me at the head table, just as I, having conquered, took the place of honor at the side of my father. That's my gift to the conquerors. So when I was a kid, I had a Bible that I earned uh, when I quoted the books of the Bible. I still have that Bible. And in that Bible, there are pictures of strategic moments in the scripture. And I'll never forget, it's indelibly impressed in my mind. One of those pictures is an illustration of this verse. And it shows Jesus at the door of someone's heart and he's knocking. And the verb, listen to this, the tense of that verb, behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's not like, oh, nobody's home. Okay, we'll go to the next door. No, here's the tense of the verb. Is that annoying? He's constantly knocking. He's, he's always knocking. He's always calling. The message sort of brought another piece to that. He's not just knocking, but he's saying, Yoo-hoo! <laughs> he's calling. In those days, their houses, you know, they didn't have ring on their front door and they didn't have doorbells either but they didn't have ring technology you know you couldn't be down in the basement pick up your phone oh yeah it's just a FedEx guy you know no no their they didn't their houses were not soundproofed so when someone knocked they didn't have any other way perhaps to identify than to hear their voice on the outside, voice recognition. And Jesus is saying in Revelation 3, I'm knocking and I'm calling out to you. And the latch of that door is not on Jesus' side of the door, it's on our side of the door. So when Jesus said, if any man will open the door, that's the language of obedience. That's the language of hearing his call, hearing the knock and opening the door. My friends, are you listening? Because he is always talking. He's a speaking God. Sometimes we just have to silence the white noise around us, like on your phone. You know, sometimes I have to turn that up to get to sleep if I'm in a hotel. Just this, I choose the, uh, the fan, the fan sound. And, but sometimes we just, 
to hear God's voice, we just need to silence the other voices. We don't need God to turn up his voice. We need to silence all the other voices. I'll tell you what, if you go on a two-day fast and no social media and no entertainment, and if you can really fast and sacrifice, everything will get quiet real quick. You get alone with God, you might even get a little bit uncomfortable because you're going to be faced with you know, who you are and where you are and where God wants you and what he's wanting to say to you. And so this uh, Revelation 3 is explaining to us that God is a speaking God and he's constantly knocking. And according to the message, Jesus views those who hear his voice and then obey his voice as those who are welcome at his table. <laughs> yeah, let's have supper. And then he calls them champions. He said, you're a champion if you hear me, if you obey me, if we can have fellowship like this. You are a champion. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, you're a champion. Yes, if you hear and obey the word of the Lord, you are a conqueror. Let's look at Romans 10, 14. This is fascinating. Romans 10, 14. Notice the emphasis as we, as I read this and you hear it on hearing and obeying the word of God. Here we go. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So Paul is sort of working backwards. Let me invert that verse. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they believe in him who they've not heard? How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So we have to hear before we can believe and we have to believe before we can call. Everybody say call. There's another word that the King James uses, confess. Everybody say confess. Listen, don't let, don't let church theology Steal the word confess from your theology. Church theology says if you confess the sinner's prayer, confess that Jesus is the Lord, you're saved. Listen, confession is not the sinner's prayer alone. Confession is the prayer of a sinner who has now become a believer, who is calling on the name of the Lord at the moment of baptism. I will challenge any Bible student on that. Confession is not just a sinner saying, I confess the Lord is my personal savior. Where do I sign the church membership card? No, no, no. There's no Bible for that. Confession. Listen, hear me. 
Confession is the moment of water baptism by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ. And apart from it, there is no salvation. There is no salvation without confession. And confession, according to resonating all the scriptures, Romans 10, 14 to 18, Acts 22, 16, Paul's recounting his conversion moment. Why are you tearing but arise and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord? That's the moment of baptism. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus you know, as the son of God, you shall be saved. That's baptism, my friend. That's not a church history sinner's prayer. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. There is no salvation apart from baptism in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Verse 15, how shall they preach unless they are sent. I think there's a twofold meaning there. Certainly uh, the word sent is uh, associated with, with the word apostle. Apostolos means sent one. And God sends, God calls preachers to go preach the gospel. But there's also a financial implication that these missionaries, these apostles, these who go out and start churches, they should be sent. They should be supported. They should be backed up. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. I've always wanted to take my shoes and socks off when I've been preaching. Who bring glad tidings of good things. Verse 16. And they have not all obeyed the gospel. Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? <laughs> Every preacher asked him or herself that question. Is anybody going to believe this? Is anybody going to obey this? Who has believed our report? Verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing. This is it. This is it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Nobody gets saved unless they hear the word of God. And if you're trying to move somebody to salvation, you can take them to Starbucks. You can take them to McDonald's. You can take them to Worlds of Torment. You can take them to, you know, the Royals baseball game. You can take them to the park. You can take them, you know, to, uh, you know, the, the, what is it? The downtown music place where do we go for can't the symphony what's the name of that Kaufman Center take him there you know have a big time but if you want somebody if you want to see somebody move toward obeying the gospel you've got to get them into the word there has to be rebuilding the relationship is important but they have to hear the word they have to have a bible study if it's a five minute or a 50 minute, they have to have a Bible study so that faith can come by hearing. Let me give you sort of a word picture. So uh, 
what is it, Romans 12, 3 says, to every man, that's not gender specific, to everyone is given the measure of faith. So when a human being is born and they have intelligence and they can reason and understand and communicate, God places enough faith in them, which is the measure of faith, for them to be saved. <laughs> it's already there. They don't need to go get it. We don't need to give it to them. We don't need to preach it into them or pray it into them. It's there. The measure of faith. In fact, I believe on the authority of this word that every miracle that you need the measure of faith has already been given to you by God. It's there. It's somewhere in that God place and your spirit. But it takes the word, the teaching, perhaps the hearing, the reading of the word of God for that faith. That faith is like just under the soil of your soul. To use another parable of Jesus. He talked about the, the sower, the seed, and the soil. And, and the seed of the word of God is planted somewhere in there. But Jesus said, except a corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, it's going to bring forth much fruit. So wherever you are today, the day you were conceived, God placed whatever faith you need for the challenge that is facing you today or tomorrow. It's already there. But this is why we come to church. This is why we read the word of God so that we can, so that faith can come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Every one of us has experienced that to some degree or another. I mean, let's testify right now. Have you ever come to church? Have you ever been in a Bible study? Have you ever heard a message where it was exactly what you needed and you felt that moment of faith, you responded, maybe you came to the altar, maybe you said amen, or some way you acknowledged that that was a word for you. And it made a difference in your life. Amen. Can you thank the Lord for that right now? Amen. That's as, that's as simple as it gets. That's it. God placed that faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It might even be something as simple as coming to church and feeling lousy, but hearing the preaching of the word of God and you leave a totally different attitude. Uh, happens to me all the time. <laughs> Just being real. Oh, I thank God for preaching. I thank God for teaching of the word of the Lord. It has saved me. Look, I was baptized when I was eight, filled with the Holy Ghost when I was nine, but I've been saved a thousand times or more by coming to God's house and believing again. Amen. Verse 18. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. And I think what Paul is saying to us is that I don't know how God's doing this, but the sound of the word is going out 
And God's going to have a witness in every culture, in every nation, in every generation. There's going to be a witness. Amen. Praise God. I don't know how he's going to do it. Listen to that. Their sound, are they going to hear it? Yes. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. That's the, the, those people that have beautiful feet. I'll never forget flying for 25 hours, driving on a bumpy road in an uncomfortable Jeep and coming to the end of the road and C.P. Thomas, who seems to have a sense of humor in desperate moments, looks at me as we're walking up a mud-packed path and I'm going to go meet a king, some kind of a king. His name is Raman. And he looks at me and he says, Pastor, now you preach gospel to uttermost part of the earth. <laughs> it's like his backyard. And it's like, but for me, it's terrifying, you know. You know am I going to come out of here alive? You know, what, what are we getting into? And uh, I don't know how God's going to do it. But God's word is out there. It's out there. And it's with us. And my prayer for us is Acts 8, 4. And they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Every time we leave this campus, we are scattered. And we must go everywhere preaching the word of God. We've got to change the definition of what it means to preach. Paul said, preach the gospel. That means tell your story, your conversion. Tell somebody what Jesus did for you. Tell them how he changed your life. This isn't rocket surgery. Just keep it simple. Preach the gospel. Tell your story. When you read the book of Acts, Paul is telling his story over and over and over and over and over and over again. But that's why he was a powerful disciple maker. Because a man... With a doctrine is no, has no argument for a man with a testimony. The last point I have time to make tonight is this. There are two words. Well, there are more than two words, but the two main words for word in the Bible are logos and rhema. L-O-G-O-S and R-H-E-M-A. Logos. Logos is the sum total of everything that God has said. And primarily, the primary logos is the written word of God, the canon that we have. It's established and heaven and earth will pass away, but this, what's in here, will never pass away. The rhema is a portion of the logos that is believed in the heart and spoken with the mouth. And this is what becomes the sword of the spirit. It's a quickening word. It's a right now word. A quick story, uh, my good friend, Pastor James Larson, 
the anchor church in San Diego. His wife was so sick that, and she had missed so much church, she wanted desperately to be at the house of God. And Brother Jeff Arnold was preaching. And she required literally that, like the man that was born of four that was carried to the house, they had to carry her into the church. And they laid her on her, she sat over here on the left, probably the second row. She just wanted to hear the preaching. And he started preaching about healing and health and wellness. And he was preaching the logos, but suddenly a rhema, a word that he spoke, she believed it in her heart. He believed in his heart. She believed it in her heart. And suddenly the miraculous healing power of God touched her. And she that was carried in walked out. Hallelujah. When the service was over, that's a rhema word. That's why we don't miss church because you don't want to miss the logos, but you sure don't want to miss the rhema because sure enough, sure enough, the service that you miss is going to be the one that's going to give that rhema word that could have turned the corner for you, brought you out. I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm telling you the truth. Stand with me. Man, I got so many, I had so many good things to say. I spent probably 12 hours on this Bible study and I've run out of time and I got to page two. But I believe in the power of the spoken word of God. This is why I did the math. I'll just say in the last 60 years, I have probably listened to, not including cassette tapes, VHS, reel to reel. <laughs> I even go back to the old wire recordings. And I remember my dad having one of those machines. And you know, DVD, not including even those and, you know, podcasts and all these things that we can listen to now, MP3 and all that. I'm just talking about in service, in the house of God, hearing a Bible study or a message, at least 6,000, at least 6,000. That's an average of two a week for 60 years, 6,000. I'm thinking, is this all the better I can do? <laughs> Is this all the further I've come? But you know what? We've all come a long way. So let's not be like whoever James is writing about who looks, hears the word, reads the word, hears a message. They look in a mirror. Which one of you, when you get up tomorrow morning and you look in the mirror and you have a big smudge, on your forehead. And he said, oh, well, that adds a little color to my face and I'll just leave it there. No, 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 no. Who, nobody would do that. I could even make it a little more graphic than that, but I won't. Like after you blow your nose, it's a good idea to look in the mirror. <laughs> Unless you have a good friend close by that can tell you. Okay. 
We wouldn't do that. So, this is why we never close a worship service at the Life Church without giving an altar call. What's the point of just hearing? Why do we just want to hear? That doesn't, what does that do for us? Does that make us, does that make us what God wants us to be? No. We can't only hear. God has maybe given somebody a, a, a tool tonight, a lens, a, a hearing device, perhaps, for the rest of your life. You'll never come to church again the same. You never listen to the reading of the Word of God the same. Because now you know it's not just about the hearing, but it's about the obeying. I feel God right now. Praise God. Let's just lift our hands. Let's close our eyes and lift our hands and open our mouths. Somebody just needs to say, yes, Lord. <laughs> He's standing at the door and knocking. He's knocking. He's always knocking. Are you listening? He's gentle. He's a gentleman. He won't come barging. He won't come swashbuckling. He won't come charging and yelling and screaming. He's knocking and he's calling out. Are you listening to me? You've done all these things, but look what you have left to do. You've come a long way, but look how much further you have to go. This is the power of the word of God. It doesn't leave us where we are. It meets us where we are, but it doesn't leave us. This altar is open to, for anyone that wants to say, yes, Lord, I hear you. Yes, Lord, pastor didn't even address the issue, but I hear you. Lord, I know what I need to do now. I know how I need to make this correction. I know how I need to make this adjustment. Amen. Just come on. Come forward. This altar is open.